Welcome to Creative Distillation, where we distill entrepreneurship research into actionable insights. I'm your host, Jeff York, Research Director at the Deming Center for Entrepreneurship at the Leeds School of Business, University of Colorado Boulder. I'm here as always with my co-host. Hi, I'm Brad Warner. I'm Faculty Director at the Deming Center for Entrepreneurship. And you know, Jeff, I think before we jump in and talk about our show today, we should actually say a couple words about the Deming Center. Deming Center is really a hub of entrepreneurship at the University of Colorado. Uh, we help a lot of people, both students, but community as well. The outreach that we do, uh, award-winning institution, by the way. But it's a real privilege to work there with you and our friend and executive director, Eric Mueller. We do great work, and I'm very, very proud of it. And I know you are as well. Oh, of course, yeah. And previous Creative Distillation podcast guest, Eric Mueller. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's really the most important thing you need to know about Eric Mueller. He was once on the podcast. So uh, I think he's I think he's pretty much changed his title to that, like Creative Distillation guest, you know. He has street cred now. Yeah, he does. He's <laughs> legit for sure now that he's been on the podcast. And what's really cool is like um, during the uh, pandemic, the lead school has completed a construction project that builds a literal bridge between the uh, Department of Engineering, or I should say this, the School of Engineering at CU Boulder and my office and Brad's office and the Deming Center and all sorts of other stuff is going to be on a bridge between engineering and business, which I think is awesome and really exciting. And uh, we're seeing just all sorts of synergies come from that. I know you work with a lot of engineering students as I do, Brad, and it's, uh, it's really exciting when you put business students together with people who actually know how to build something. And uh, when yep. you pe people that can build things together, people that know how to sell it and build a business around it, that's uh, that's the magic sauce, I think, for entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I'm, I am so optimistic about the future of the United States, our country, the world's all the problems that we're facing with the students that are running through the center and running through leads, I think is just really incredible. I mean, they share this common strand of DNA that they want to make a change. And I think that they're going to be equipped to do that. I agree. Uh, so nice to have some yeah. optimism coming out of the uh, the darkness has been the past year or so. Uh, although, uh, you know, it's been productive. And Brad and I actually got together in person uh, for, I think, the second time during the pandemic. Got to get outside and do some hiking around and shoot guns, which uh, involves our hobby. And got to see his dog do some retrieving, which was just fantastic. Wonderful dog. Really, really well trained, unlike my dog. Uh, my dog is trained to lay in front of the fire and warm his belly. That's his main thing. Brad's dog is trained to actually find birds and retrieve them. He did a really nice <laughs> job. Very impressive. Uh, yeah. Watching the dog actually is the coolest part for me about going bird hunting. But also I have to tell you, so my dog is eight years old. He is trained to hunt, but he's also an awesome family dog. But the yeah. next day, Jeff, he couldn't walk. I, I mean, bet, he was man. toast. And I, dude, I got right yelled at by my wife. <laughs> that, that I was not, I was not being a good steward to my dog, but you were out there. There was no way to stop him. Oh, I mean, no, he no, was on a mission. He wouldn't stop. He just stood there and barked ass till he would move again. He's like, <laughs> you asses get going. Come on, lazy sons. So Jeff, you have uh, two guests here. I see. We do have two guests. Who are these guys? We have two gentlemen with us today, uh, Ben Warnick and Alex Keir, both of which are part of the Department of Management Information Systems and Entrepreneurship at the Carson College of Business which is at Washington State University, Vancouver. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thanks, Jeff and Brad. Uh, glad to be here. We are thrilled to have you guys here today. Um, so, you know, we were thinking about, like, we we're going to have these guys on, and we'll, and we'll talk about their paper in a little bit. We've got a, a paper that's in press at the Journal of Business Venturing. And, and what I do when we're setting up the podcast is I, I basically have two criteria for guests. First of all, I, I, I know them and think they'll just be interesting and I don't really care what they talk about. Uh, and I've known Alex for a while. I don't really, Ben and I just met, but... Um, first time meeting, right? First time meeting virtually. We'll, we'll meet in person someday, I'm sure. We'll, we're we're going to road trip out to Vancouver. Actually, we're going to do a whole creative oh, yeah. distillation tour and just go visit everybody we've ever had on the podcast in like a in an RV with our dogs. Uh, I think that would be, <laughs> that'd be quite a trip. <laughs> I, I'd love to do it. I, I think we would have such a, a great time. Joel, you're going to have to get clearance. Actually, we need to it, it, um, expand our budget. Joel's coming too. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. We have to, Of course, we'll bring Joel and, and we'll just have the, the Deming Center for Entrepreneurship. Well, I'm sure fund that. So all you folks out there, wealthy alums and uh, impact investors and people looking to really support a worthy cause, Donate to us so that we can go road trip across the country and meet everyone that's already been on the podcast during the pandemic. 
There's surely yeah. nothing better you could put your money towards. I actually think that that's true. <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> we're we're seeding entrepreneurship all over the yeah. world, Jeff. Well, in any event, <laughs> thanks for joining us today, guys. So, but uh, what I, the other thing I do is I go look at the um, the journals, the academic journals. You know, those ones that you know you only have to pay four thousand dollars to get access to, Brad. You know, a bargain at any price. And oh, um, and I, I go look at those and I find interesting papers, and that's where I came across this paper. So we're having a little clip. Let me stop you for a second before okay. you introduce the paper. I'm not going other to. than academics. Does anybody read this? Yes. Like who? Um, so tell me. Sure, give me an sure example of someone reading a. Other than I me, had had this I tried to. I'm going to let Alex and Ben talk to you about this because I, I okay. Alex this. and Ben, I, I want to really know or get to understand your audience as we get into this. But let's talk booze first. Okay, yeah, first of all, so obviously these guys are up in Vancouver, and uh, we were looking around for Northwestern beers, and what we decided was to wait, wait. How did we? We just said any, you guys just said any Northwestern beer, right? That was what you said. Yeah, we just wanted to make sure that you could get something that you can get your hands on in Boulder. So I said, whatever you can find in the Pacific Northwest works for us. So I could have gone to Brad's favorite liquor store, Hazel's, which is this massive Walmart of like high-end beverages. And it is insane. I, I don't even know how many Northwest beers I could have looked at there. But I instead went to my local favorite, North Boulder Liquor, uh, which is a tiny hole-in-the-wall liquor store. But, you know, I like them a lot. I haven't been going there during COVID because it's so small, but then uh, they have done an excellent job actually managing that. Uh, so yep. if you're looking for a, a small local liquor store that has done a wonderful job managing COVID and is really friendly, head on over to North Boulder Liquor on uh, Broadway. Good place. And if totally agree. For- By the way, Jeff, um, I love Hazel's, but North Boulder Liquor is also my go-to liquor store. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's old school. I love the old coolers in the back. Great and, and very knowledgeable folks. You know, going to Hazel's is like going to Walmart's with, with booze, which is sometimes great. And you can get anything there. But I think that supporting North Boulder, I love the folks there and I and I love their bourbons. Yeah, yeah. They got a killer selection of stuff there. And uh, and so I went there and I just started looking for Northwestern beers and I found one that I've never had. And this is What Rough Beast. I just like saying that. What Rough Beast from Breakside Brewing. And uh, I, I did. I was doing some research last night, so I was telling Brad I was running a D and D game, and I thought, well, I should try what rough beast because the can has like a giant tentacle with a person fishing off it, and the phrase "what rough beast" actually comes from a William Butler Yeats poem, "The Second Coming," which is alluding to the Book of Revelation, and apparently, this is interesting. The rough beast is a reference to the Antichrist. So. You guys adequately scared to try this beer now? That's what you want to think about when you're having a beer. Alex and Ben, did you know that about this uh, beer? I did not know this. So uh, so we'll get to taste a little bit of the Antichrist today, huh? <laughs> just, just a little. Oh, my God. Well, if we ever run people to not subscribe to our podcast, we're doing pretty well. We've talked about hunting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to call my dad. He'll, he'll light a candle for us. We, we can get this balanced out with a quick phone call. Okay, that's good. Okay, so what rough beast? Have you guys had this beer before, though? Either of you? I have not. Oh, first time okay. walked up to the brewery yesterday to grab it, though. So, oh, okay, you seems like a pretty brewery. great place. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it was maybe ten minute walk. Let's when try. you guys come visit. Oh yeah. All right. So what rough beast? Breakside Brewery. Uh, it says hazy Indian pale ale, which is actually a New England style origin, basically. What they started doing is, uh, and I think that's what Hetty Topper from Alchemist, probably the prototypical hazy IPA. This is a style, anybody that drinks a lot of beer would know this, that's taken the, the craft brewing uh, market by storm. And a lot of people think that the haze comes from yeast, like uh, like a Hefeweizen, like a German wheat beer. But in fact, the haze comes from the hops and the massive additions of hops that go into these beers. Any first impressions of the beer, gentlemen? I like it. So it's got a nice golden flavor. It's got some good balance, some good kind of fruitiness, not overpowering. I'm not actually a big IPA drinker, but but this is pretty good. I get, um, it's got really orangey hue to it compared to a lot of IPAs, less straw colored, more orange, big hops, like grapefruit. I don't know. These are obviously Northwestern hops. 
definitely hazy. Can't even see. I give it the whole light test. Can't see anything through it. <laughs> Pretty nice. What do you think, Brad? Well, I came prepared with my bourbon because I'm not a beer drinker either, but I did open this up. I actually think this is one of the better beers that we've had on the podcast for my palate. Whoa, this is really good. That is high praise. That's a big deal, right? I mean, I would actually have one of these. That is a big deal. Yeah. I'm glad to not disappoint. Yeah. How does this rate in the beer universe to you, Jeff? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm like, um, I like that sour beer we had uh, last time. Better. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. oh, that stuff was terrible. So you guys are following a week of last or last podcast. We had hazy beer or no, excuse me, the sour beers. And then the time before that, we had a person on the podcast that liked mixing 18 year old McCallum with coffee. So uh, <laughs> thank God we are back on track with something good. I mean, this is this has been tough. I think the sequence of podcasts is a little screwed up there, but those are both true statements about some guests that have been on the podcast. <laughs> There's actually a doctoral student that drank, that drank the McCallum coffee. Brad, like, so steam coming out of his ears. It was great. Oh, no. It, by the way, he, he's not with the university anymore. Yes, he is. He's a very <laughs> good young scholar. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you, but we need to re review his application. All right. So I really like this, actually. What do you think, Ben? I like it. So, so I'm not a huge beer drinker. I feel like moving to the Portland area, that's going to hopefully change pretty quickly. I think I'll get pulled to being a craft brewery aficionado in no time. I'm not there yet. Oh but uh, So from kind of a lay perspective, some fruity notes in here, a little, a little tropical, which I appreciate. Yeah. Hey, so Ben, what is your normal drink of choice? Are you just not a drinker or is it just something else? Say bourbon. <laughs> Usually not bourbon. So like gin's kind of my go-to. Oh. Not, yeah. not. I haven't had that gin answer, since college. Man, that answer. <laughs> you have to have good gin though. Oh, what's, man. what's a good uh, gin? Okay, so like, this beer. We, should, we should talk about this beer a little. Oh, I want to um, hear what a good gin is first. And then I'm going to, we'll go back to the beer. Oh, okay. I've sorry, been trying. So beef eaters, is that a good one? Yeah. So there are different, all kinds of different kinds. So, so uh, one that I've been trying lately is the aviation gin, which is local to Portland. That is good. So it's, it's, it's less juniper forward. So some of the gins are just hitching in the face with that, almost like you're drinking grass, but the, there's been kind of yeah. this new wave of American gins that are a little more balanced. If that juniper forward taste isn't quite your thing, it has have a nice mix of spices to balance it out. Mm -hmm. Oh, that sounds great. Are you making martinis or are you making gin and tonics or just straight gin? Mostly gin and tonics is my yeah. go-to, but it's yeah. it's good straight too. Awesome. On the rocks. I like a gin and tonic in the summer for sure. Yep. And uh, there's a whole big craft gin movement thing. It was weird. I was in the UK. Oh God, obviously it was at least a year ago, but there's a huge craft gin movement in the UK right now like uh really big deal and the big thing is you go and this is like the hip thing it probably i don't know what's hip now nothing's hip anymore what's hip is to hang out in your house and drink whatever you got and listen to our podcast uh especially in the uk they're like locked down again but um but the big thing was you go get these goblets like these big goblets with tons of ice and then they would mix it with gin and and whatever it's kind of fancy gin and tonic type thing and there's all these fruity things and they were awesomely refreshing very very good but that was the hip thing when I was there. Uh, well, like I know what was hip. People that looked hip were drinking those to me. So that probably was hip like five years ago. Uh, this beer is really good. Uh, super big grapefruit, pineapple. Big thing with these uh, hazy IPAs is just the overload of fruit. Here's what I don't like about hazy IPAs. And this beer is typical in this regard. Take a big, everybody take a big okay. sip. Wait for it. Does anybody else feel like a burning sensation in the back of their throat and a little bit down their throat? Like just a little bit astringency, almost like uh, acidic. I know I'm like psychologically influencing you to feel that now. Here's the thing. There's so much, so much hops in these things that they have this almost unpleasant, almost like indigestion after effect for me. But then again, I'm very weak, as Brad will vouch for. And so that's probably why. But um, I just find them like, and I love hops, but it's just, it's the it's the bittering hops I'm not crazy about. There's almost too much like hops put in the kettle at bittering. For me, like a lot of people, obviously people love hazy IPAs. They're the most hip. Well, there, I, there I go again. Not hip, trendy um, kind of beer. 
I am a personal aficionado, and I'll get some of this for us to try next time, Brad. I like milkshake IPAs. There's such a thing? Oh, yeah. Milkshake IPAs are, are usually heavily dry hopped IPAs that have lactose and fruit added to them in huge amounts. So my current favorite, and I'm going to try to get the brew on here, uh, Four Noses. Um, it's called the Velvet Series. They have one called Strawberry Velvet. It's a strawberry milkshake IPA. I like that because it's basically it's a hazy IPA, but the lactose kind of cancels out that acidic feeling and gives it like a creamier, more like a, a milk stout kind of mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about Breakside. What rough beast. I just like I th- this is good. What a cool can too. Yeah. This is good. But I mean, is there really any bad beers made in the Northwest? I mean, like. Yeah, I don't know. No, I'm glad I bought more than one. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know of any. Between Colorado and, and Portland, I think uh, all the bad beers probably get weeded out pretty quickly. Don't last very long. You would think so. There's a few bad breweries around here that I'm not going to name because, you know, that would be really rude, but they stick around. Like I Loyal think following. At some point, there's got to be a shakeout in this industry. I don't know when it's going to happen. If COVID doesn't do it, I don't know what does because like people can make bad beers and stay in business and uh, in craft brewing. I don't know how, but they do. Yeah, what, what, what is that? How does that happen? What is bad? No, how, do, how do they stay in business? Right. There's tremendous competition in this industry because people don't care. Oh, God. There's competition, but it's also people just don't care. They like the idea of craft beer. They don't really care about the beer. Oh, gotcha. I gotcha. That's my hypothesis. You should test so this. I, I, have you ever had, heard of Three Floyds Brewing? So in Chicago, it was readily available. Of course. So Three Floyds has, a, I think, a beer called Gumball Drop. Gumball yeah. IPA. And that is really, yep. Yep. that's one I, of the ones I really like. But I, I like this one just about as much as, um, as that one as well. So... Brad, you're a secret hophead. Oh, come on. My great-grandfather came from Germany, started a, a huge brewery until uh, Prohibition. So my family, I come from a family of brewers. My son's a brewer. Just because I like bourbon, I, I love the art of beer. Just I'm really, really yeah. picky because I, to me, bourbon is better. And I have a couple of bourbons that I really like. So, But yeah, there's some great beers. Unless you, you know, get offered a sour beer, in which case, you no, know that and I told my son about it. He, laughed he loves them. I mean, he, that's like the holy <laughs> grail to him for beer. And for me, it's like, it's disgusting. Yeah. I love it. Well, okay. Any, any further thoughts, thoughts about breaks? What do you think, Alex? You're, you're a Northwestern beer aficionado. Where does this rank for you? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would put it right up there as one of the better ones I've had. I think it's, it's hard in Portland. There's just, as we're talking about, there's just so many different breweries that you could literally go years trying to try all the different breweries in Portland and and you can't try them all. But, but this one I I do like, Um, I bought more than one can. I'm glad (laughs) I did because this may become part of my repertoire. This is certainly pretty good. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah. I previewed it last night with my uh, D and D group and a couple of people that I played Dungeons and Dragons with. And shockingly people that play Dungeons and Dragons also tend to be a little nerdy. Um, no, no way. <laughs> yeah, I know. God. I know. It's a surprise. It is. And two of them are really big beer nerds, like brew all their own beer and then only drink things like this. One guy's really into Swedish yeast strains. And uh, I brought this. Yeah. Anyway. And so I brought this beer up and they're like, oh, yeah, Breakside. Blah, 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 blah. So apparently this is like a well-known thing amongst people that are nerdier about beer than than I am. All right, so I guess we should talk about paper. Uh, that's ostensibly why. Okay. <laughs> I was excited about this. So I gave Brad a choice. I said, Brad, I don't really have a, a guest lined up this week. Our guest we were going to have had to reschedule. And I was like, I found two really interesting papers. Would you rather talk about one, how entrepreneurship can help uh, alleviate global inequality and economic development and save the world, or two, the effects of cannabis use on entrepreneurs' ideation. And Brad, what did you pick? Let's go cannabis. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, there's, there's really no choice to be had. Uh, I love I love this paper. I, I was looking through papers and just trying to find some interesting ones. And I'll tell you what, man, you may laugh and make fun of the fact, you know, do people ever read this thing? I think if people scanned Journal of Business Venturing papers in press, I think more people would read entrepreneurship papers because there's just a plethora of interesting work coming out there. Journal Business Venturing, um, their head editor is Jeff McMullen, who's an amazing scholar and a 
University of Colorado alum, as well as uh, who has been involved with the Deming Center for Entrepreneurship over the years. Just going to try to steal him away from Indiana, like by talking about uh, his relationship with Colorado. <laughs> uh, in fact, as a professor at Indiana University, as we've talked about a lot, those folks are really doing a lot of great things there. Anyway, he runs a tight ship and only publishes really quality work. But more importantly, from the perspective of this podcast, publishes work that's interesting. Like it's not dotting the I and crossing the T, it's pushing the boundaries. And I think this paper by Ben and Alex and their co-offers, now, if I mispronounce Emily's last name, please tell me, Emily M. LaFrance? Right, yeah, I think she would just say LaFrance, yeah. All right. I, if I, I mean, you know, being from Mississippi, I'd say La France, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll say La France. Yeah, sophisticated. Try to sound somewhat educated. Sophisticated, yeah, you know, sophisticated drinking beer here on a Friday afternoon uh, with Brad uh, <laughs> talking about hunting dogs. And <laughs> that dog can hunt. <laughs> they are both at the Department of Psychology at Washington State University as well. And um, this paper, I just, I saw the title. I was like, well, this is cool. And it's called Head in the Clouds. <laughs> Cannabis users' creativity and new venture ideation depends on their entrepreneurial passion and experience. All right, so we always rate the title first. Well, first think, of all, even before I rate the freaking thing, how does this happen? Are you guys like sitting in your backyard with a fire going, a couple beers, passing a joint around, saying, you know what, we got to come up with an idea? Oh, here we go. I mean, I, I mean, I've had many businesses pitched to me that, that have been developed over beer and, and hanging about by a fire. How does this even happen? You know, so Alex does creativity work. So Alex has published on imaginativeness and how entrepreneurs being imaginative, how that's really important and coming up with ideas that break new ground and create value for the world. So I was kind of the boundary spanner in this. So knowing Alex and then also at Washington State, I uh, made friends with a couple researchers. So Carrie Cutler exclusively researches cannabis really as her primary research really? area. And that's an area that's been She's a, as psychologist. a psychologist. So, yeah. So I, you know, through mutual friends, I got acquainted with her and I got thinking, Hey, there's some intersection here. People talk about cannabis and creativity. There hasn't been that much research on it. Carrie and Emily had been starting to look into it. So Emily was a grad student at the time, a PhD student who has since graduated. And so I kind of, you know, we all came together and we, we started talking, we hashed it out. And uh, this is truly an interdisciplinary kind of thing that I think if we hadn't had the entrepreneurship view or the cannabis view, we wouldn't have the paper that we do. Interesting. That's super cool. I think there's so much opportunity for entrepreneurship scholars. And, and, and there is a lot of cross-disciplinary work, but sometimes we can get a little insular and not be collaborating with people there in psychology or sociology or economics or even other disciplines like organizational behavior uh, or operations. I think that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's really cool. I, and I totally think, first of all, entrepreneurship is cross-disciplined, right? It, it doesn't reside in the business school. It's just where our offices happen to be. So I, I love the mixture of this. Will you repeat the title one more time and then I'll give you my feedback on that? I actually can't remember the title. Um, it's only like 30 seconds ago, but I still can't remember. You got to stop vaping during the podcast, Brad. I mean, it's always like, you yeah, know, well, you know what? My doctor says what I have to do. So I just do it. Oh yeah. You got to do what you got to do. I mean, you, you got a prescription. He has chronic pain, folks. He really does. Yeah. He chronic pain, uh, head in the clouds. Or I should say I'm, I'm the head in the clouds. Cannabis users, creativity and new venture ideation depends on their entrepreneurial passion and experience. I like it. Actually, I do. What? You like it? Well, if you throw weed in the title, I'm good. Holy crap. <laughs> wow. Guys, you don't I even, mean, I mean, you, you, I'm sure you're, I'm sure you are serial listeners of every episode of the podcast, like all of our listeners here on Creative Distillation, where we distill entrepreneurial research into uh, actionable insights. Uh, on behalf of the Deming Center for Entrepreneurship. Yep. But see, I got that in, Brad. That was slick one. I was just Yeah, if, if they disagree with me, how can they get a hold of me? Anyone that wants to write hate mail to Brad, uh, you know, join me. Thanks to Brad's efforts, we now have our own email address. This is a uh, big progress for us here at the uh, little startup that is Creative Distillation. It's uh, C as in creative, D as in distillation, CD podcast at colorado.edu. Reach out to us. Uh, make sure you uh, address your comments to Brad. And if they're particularly scathing about any of his lack of insight or educational astuteness, I think that would be most welcome. 
and also feel free to pitch him any venture you would like to get his advice on. He'd be more than happy to advise you and uh, help you line up investment. Right, Brad? For sure. You, you know, out, he's not very busy. So you know what? Send send me anything you want to. Any any suggestions about the podcast? Anything you'd like me to plug or talk <laughs> yeah, about? Yeah, seriously, it'd be great. Yeah, CD podcast, not CD podcast. Like it's a CD podcast. Although, I mean, this week we could. You know, we're talking about camp. No, okay, I'll stop. Anyhow, so anyway, guys, I was just gonna say, like, seriously though, I do like, and I know we're talking about the title of your paper. We'll get into the paper. Trust me. But it's been a recurring theme on this podcast that Brad hears. The first part of you know everything before the colon in the academic paper title is like, oh, that sounds sort of interesting. And then we read him everything after the colon. He's like, oh my God, what the hell is wrong with you people? Like, how did you come up with that? Oh, you know, there's weed involved at some of those titles. Yes, of right. course. But what I like about your title is it actually says what the paper shows. Yep. That's amazing. That's a, a really uh, I my hat's off to you because I don't think I've ever written a title to a paper that actually stated what you found. I've done some simpler ones that I managed to get the colon out of. I was proud of that, but nice job there. Very nice. So we've heard a little bit about how the paper came about. Like, uh, what'd you guys do? Like what's, what's you, so you got this idea. You're like, Hey, you know, we've got this psychologist studying cannabis use. And then we we're interested in uh, creativity and entrepreneurship. Clearly there's some overlap here. How did the paper come about from there? Yeah, so we started, uh, you know, bouncing around ideas on how to really explore the intersection of these areas. So I guess I, what I didn't add is, and, and what we didn't initially intend to focus as much on as we did was um, entrepreneurial passion is my area. So we kind of, we're, we're seeing the intersection oh. of passion, cannabis, and uh, entrepreneurial creativity. And so what what we thought is, hey, let's do an experiment, um, you know, do, do an ideation task. Um, so there are some, unfortunately, some uh, federal restrictions make it really tough to get people high and do experiments that way. But things are changing there. It's getting a bit easier. Um, but what we did is we found chronic cannabis users and people who have hardly, if ever, used cannabis at all. And we presented them with a the technology. We said, here's a description of virtual reality, just to make sure they're all up to speed on what that is. And we said, okay, three minutes come up with as many ideas as you can based on virtual reality. And so they did that after three wow. minutes, they chose what they thought their best idea was. Um, and we uh, went and, and a few of the authors, we went and evaluated their ideas based on how original they were and how feasible they were. So to get a sense of differences between people who are cannabis users and people who are not. That's super cool. How did you identify people? Like, did you just put out like a, advertisement for research participants at your school or how'd you identify people free weed here <laughs> yes Brad. Um, so, they put up so, signs that said free weed dude and then like the people that came in they were like all right we're gonna test you and then they had another sign that said no weed <laughs> and then the people yes that's I, that's yeah. how i would do it yeah if, if it was only that easy um <laughs> so we we did the experiment online okay we used uh, a third-party sampling service to help us identify um, entrepreneurs. They, they helped vet to make sure they were entrepreneurs. They answered a bunch of questions to make sure that they were entrepreneurs. Um, and then they, they did the experiment online. So everybody in the study, regardless if they were a cannabis user or not, was an entrepreneur. Correct. Oh, very cool. Okay. So we got these people, we're doing this thing and, and they're answering these questions. I mean, honestly, it's kind of a cool, I mean, it's sort of what we do in our entrepreneurship classes to a certain extent, like on the first cut. I mean, I know but you guys, when I'm teaching, I'm always like, Hey, let's generate a bunch of ideas. And then I'm trying to have the class like assess, you know, is this feasible? And we don't really focus much on the originality. I'm curious, how did you think about originality though? I mean, that's an interesting kind of construct there. Yeah, I can, I can take that one. So um, we base a lot of our work in the creativity literature which creativity is, is defined as an idea that's novel and useful, kind of the two important elements. And so right. when we had them generate ideas, we wanted to tease apart to see, okay, are there differences with people that generate novel ideas versus, versus useful? Um, and then we got to, well, okay, how do, you, how do you actually measure novel and useful? And so we used existing scales of, of originality and, and feasibility feels a little bit more more relevant to the entrepreneurship space, you know, can this idea really be done? Does it have any potential, you know, market potential? And so that's why we, we looked at both because we're kind of leaning on the creativity literature that says, well, these two are, you have to have both to have a creative idea. Right. 
it can't just be original. It also has to be of use to somebody applicable. Yeah. Or the other way around too. I mean, a feasible idea that isn't original isn't going to do much good in the world. You know, you might as well just set up yeah. another, you know, their I got to jump in others. here because there are ideas that other people are doing that people can do 10 X better. Right. So you got to be really careful about that. And certainly at a stage about saying, you know what, someone else is doing that. For instance, Elon Musk, when he got high 12 years ago, said, you know, let's put batteries in cars. OK, really good idea. Is it feasible? Maybe not. And maybe it wasn't feasible at the time. Timing is in technology and all these other things have to align. Right. So how do you actually judge feasibility kind of the way that you just explained it, Ben? In terms of feasibility, we looked at like, could this be implemented? Have you thought through and really elaborated on the idea? Can Have you thought through how you would do this or could you do this? And we saw like clear differences in, in a lot of these different ideas. And some people, you know, they've got these crazy ideas, but they haven't haven't thought through the pragmatic elements of it, of how they would do it, or if it matters mm. to the world, or, or if they were to push forward, what the details are. And then other people did a lot better in thinking through, like, would this work? And, and, and how they would actually push forward with it. So you're not so much making the call on this is just like, Ben and Alex and Emily and Carrie's judgment of if this is feasible or not. You're doing an assessment of do these people have any path to actually executing this? Which I think is a reasonable assessment. We, we do that a lot. I mean, when you listen to someone's pitch, I mean, I may not know anything about bioengineering, but I can listen to a pitch and tell if these people actually have some path to doing their idea or not. Is that accurate? Yeah. And, and remember, I mean, this is so our paper, it was, it was an ideation exercise. So these are really rough. Right initial ideas. Right. Um, and so part of that feasibility, the very first starting exactly. Point. And so part of that feasibility measurement cool. is, has they, have they at least given some thought to, well, what's the next step going forward? How would you apply this idea and, and, and what market and what would be your next steps? So, so yes, but, but remember though, all these ideas, because they're so rough in the beginning, we're, we're not talking about, did they have execution plans? It's just, have they actually given some thought on how you put this together? Right, right. Did they think it through? Well, that's interesting. So like, and I mean, I know what the findings are because I read the paper. I, and again, I really I don't. enjoyed it. I'm, really so I'm well actually, done. I'm on the edge of my seat. I know. You you no. don't know. You don't know. So so don't tell Brad what you found. Like, just, just keep him yeah. hanging. And you'll never know, Brad. You'll just have, you'll have to go pay. Wait, wait, what did you have to pay to access the last paper? Or what were you? What? 49 bucks. What the? F we had a whole thing where. Brad was trying to go look at uh, Greg Fisher's paper on Journal of Management Studies. And it's like, yeah, you can look at the paper. It's 49 bucks. We actually need to do a whole thing. Actually, we should do it with McMullen about the uh, the paywall okay. on journals. I think he would. We'll do an episode of that. But no. That's not for today. So anyway, yeah. So guys, tell, tell us about what you found. This is fascinating. So you, so you went out. You said, okay, we're going to take these people. We're going to say chronic cannabis user, not chronic cannabis user. And then we're going to ask them to come up with a bunch of ideas, all in the same ideas that we're going to give them the same prompts. And then we're going to say, okay, we want to identify uh, which of these ideas is more original or which is more feasible. Yeah. Did I get that right? So far, so good. Cool. Okay, good. So far, so good. I, I'm passing. I got to drink some more. Uh, what rough beast? Wait, I have one question about your survey sample. What was the age range of these folks? So... 18 to 87, we had a few even on the high, and we made sure that those on the really high age range weren't skewing the results. So there were three that were kind of on the more elderly age range. Yeah. Average was about 42. Wow. Okay. Actually, I'm surprised there. Where, where, what are you thinking there, Brad? Like, what's, why did you ask that? I mean, I was thinking of, you know, a bunch of college kids, 18 to 25, maybe 27, but that's certainly not. Uh, so, so this is great. And I, and I actually think that that's helpful for our, our audience to understand that this is a, a major age range. I mean, this is a spectrum of young folks all the way to senior seniors. So pretty cool. Yeah. It's yep. a nice sample. Well, as a, as a teaser, Brad, um, experience came out as, as a really important variable in our story. So as, as Ben goes over the results, you'll see where kind of experience, entrepreneurial experience comes in. Okay. That makes sense. So, so what did you guys find? Tell us. About it. So as you might expect, I don't know. So, well, maybe I'll ask Brad, what do you think? 
cannabis users, non-users, originality, feasibility, what would you expect yeah. if I can put you on the spot? My expectation is... I bet O'Neill, it. he's pretty my good at expectation, this. Like, well, yeah, this is a tougher one, though, because you're asking, in a sense, can someone under the influence be a great ideator, right? Is that the bottom line here? Well, someone that's yeah. a chronic user of, of specifically cannabis. I mean, I think we, I think it's safe to say someone who's a chronic user of methamphetamine is not going to be necessarily a great ideator. Uh, well, I'm still here. Come on. I still have my teeth, though. Uh, so let me, before I guess, let me get this straight. We're talking about serial entrepreneurs here, correct? All of them had founded a venture at least once. Correct. Okay. I actually think that the results are going to be pretty positive towards the, in a sense, uh, expanding the horizons of someone's mind. Let me just put it that way. So they'll be more original. Yes. But what about feasible? Feasibility, if they have experienced starting businesses, I think that actually could be okay too. I'm going with the weed users. Am I wrong? Well, I mean, we are older, so I mean, what do you expect? And by the way, I'm not a chronic weed user at all. So this is, this is not like my wheelhouse. Well, it's not chronic. <laughs> Not no, daily, no, no. just you know, um, evenings. So this is not my wheelhouse, but I, I'm just, I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think the people that are regular weed users that have already started businesses actually may be successful moving forward. So you're not too far off base. So starting with kind of the main difference between people who regularly use cannabis and not. And so I just want to make sure to clarify. So these people weren't necessarily high at the time. We did account for whether they were results held, whether they were or weren't. Oh, So there's a lot of That's research cool. kind of showing that the effects of cannabis, especially in terms of, you know, being able to connect disparate concepts, reduced uh, inhibitions and increased impulsivity, this can last for up to a month. Wow. Really? So our sample of cannabis users, so they had all used at least twice in the past month, most of them much more than that. So in the high teens, so I think it was almost 20 times in the past month on average in our cannabis user samples. So, and the non-users, most of them had never used cannabis at all. Only 3% had used it more than once and none more than five times in their whole life. So well beyond that month range. So the users, the people who regularly use cannabis, more original ideas, but their ideas weren't as feasible. But as the title states, so this really depended on passion and experience. So if you think about these differences of being more original, but less feasible, these get switched on for people who are really passionate about coming up with new ideas. So if you're an idea person, and you're a cannabis user, you're going to have these effects compared to non-users. More original ideas, but, but they're going to be less feasible. But this kind of switches off, for better or worse, the more experience people have. So they get closer to being similar to the, the non-users. So both in terms of getting the benefits from being really original, that starts to go down the more ventures you've founded. So this thinking outside the box, in some ways, experience takes away from that and pushes you a little more to feasibility. I love it. I'm actually thinking about, and I'm just taking cannabis off the table here for a second. I'm just thinking about ideas that come out of undergrads versus grad students. And this is just anecdotal. I have no, no survey behind this, but just in my observations, I've noticed that the undergrads are much more creative and much more willing to take a risk of trying something that hasn't been tried. And the more the MBA folks and the graduate students are more constrained in their approach. Yeah, and Brad, the other research would, would certainly support that as well. So, I mean, the, the undergrads, they, they don't know what they don't know, yeah. right? And so as you, as you gain more experience, and there's, there's lots of research that shows that actually start to narrow your, your thinking, you start to kind of try to operate only within the same industry because that's that's what you know and you know unfortunately they, they a lot of research has found this curvilinear effect where experience is good up to a point and then eventually um, you just get so so narrow-minded that you're not open to, to new ideas I think it's because a lot of experienced entrepreneurs they subconsciously edit their ideas right so they know 
um, oh, this isn't going to work. And they won't even put that idea on paper because they immediately know eh, that's probably not something that's going to work for X, Y, and Z. And so we never even see those ideas, you know, get to paper. And so I think that's probably why we found um, what awesome. we did. Yeah, really interesting. And by the way, anytime you agree with me, Alex, you're invited back anytime. <laughs> well, we passed the Brad test more than one. Of uh, except for the gin instead of bourbon. That was a, that's still <laughs> right. a rough patch. Yeah, gin's a little, I'm, I'm waiting for the weather to get nicer. But you got there by telling us interesting types of things about gin. So that's good. That's good. So let me ask you this, yes. guys. Like I, I, we always try to here on Griff Distillation, try to, you know, get down to like something useful for entrepreneurs. Um, you know, you got cannabis being legalized across the country virtually. I'm sure there'll be federal legalization before too long um, during the Biden administration. I'm sure that'll happen. If nothing else, just economic reasons helping us recover out of the pandemic, in my humble opinion. But so if I'm an, a more experienced entrepreneur and I'm saying like, God, you know, I just feel like I'm kind of at a rut. I just sold my last venture. I don't have a really creative idea. I'm kind of just thinking, oh, I'm going to do another thing that was like what I did before. Is taking up like cannabis use a way to maybe break out of that rut? Or am I stretching too far from what you found? I don't think you're stretching too far at all. Like Alex was mentioning, sometimes being too experienced, it really narrows your thinking of what will work. But when we're thinking about coming up with new venture ideas and brainstorming, so there are really two stages. You've got this yeah. brainstorming stage where you shouldn't have that filter, where you should be thinking big. Right. Before you get to the evaluation and execution stages. So you don't want to prematurely evaluate your ideas mm -hmm. and cannabis. Our, our results seem to suggest that it can help people broaden their thinking, be a little more original than they would otherwise, especially if you're passionate about coming up with those ideas. So if you're motivated right. to do that, you care about it. Cannabis yeah. is something that can really unlock and get you out of that rut a little bit. And the, the plus side of this is our results suggest as well, coupled with cannabis research, is that you could take up cannabis. And then if you don't want to be a, someone who uses cannabis over and over and over again, research shows that, you know, you return back to kind of baseline after about a month. So this could be something you use when yeah. you need that creative jolt. And then when you need the more feasibility, right. which, which cannabis doesn't seem to be as good for, just lay off the pot for a while and, and get to business. There you go. So your finding is if you're a young entrepreneur, go out, get high and work through this. Is that what you're telling us? Hmm. I don't know if I would go quite that far. Um, yeah, I knew I, I thought I was stretching. I knew Brad would go further. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, for us, this paper is about certainly opening up that question. Cannabis is a taboo subject in certainly in, in kind of very conservative, you know, management journals and things. And so this paper was about, look, you, you hear stories all the time about, you know, these entrepreneurial founders that have used cannabis and, you know, what it does for their creativity. And, and so we said, well, let's, you know, let's actually study it in a rigorous way and see if there's actually right. any effect. So I, I don't think our, right. our, I mean, you got Elon Musk smoking a joint on Joe Rogan and everybody going nuts and Right. Yeah, exactly. What's the right. Difference? So I, I don't know if I would. What's the difference, though, Alex, between somebody going out and smoking weed kind of just to relax and maybe relax their brain to think bigger and having a couple beers and doing the same thing? I, I think that's fair. I mean, there is probably and maybe, Ben, you can talk some about the science. There is some science that, that connects using cannabis with kind of opening up those creative pathways that is a little bit different than than alcohol different uh receptors in the brain is it not i mean exactly. so first of all um you know alcohol is a depressant and i'm no expert on this i'm just talking off the cuff here but but like i mean i think it lowers inhibitions and i actually have kicked around a paper for years called the tavern effect where we're going to talk about the <laughs> foment of creativity based on the density of microbreweries still going to write that paper someday the american brewers association loves this paper obviously but if you think about it like Alcohol lowers inhibition, but it doesn't necessarily increase creativity. And at some point, there's a tipping point with alcohol, too, that we often reach on this podcast, where we've had too much and we stop making any sense at all. Um, no, it's not true. But, but you know, I mean, it's, it, there's a tipping point, And that's actually ingrained in this podcast. We have a beer, a drink 
it lowers inhibitions. We have a more frank discussion. Yes. If we were to instead, and maybe we should try this, we thought about trying this, like go pick up some kind of like high THC beverage and consume it. I don't know, Brad. I think we would kind of freak out and not make a whole lot of sense. I think we just need to figure it out. I think we need to okay. experiment, right? We're entrepreneurs. We just go and let's get some and but see what But it's a happens. different chemical reaction there in the brain. Go. I mean, it, there are serious differences other than lowered inhibition. I think that's similar. Everything else is different. And I think probably, I'm sure you guys know more about this than I from your, from your research, but that's my understanding anyway. Right. So there has been some research on alcohol and creativity. Cannabis and alcohol both share these disinhibiting qualities, but cannabis, it activates on these cannabinoid receptors in the brain, yes. which is effectively kind of like it turns the off switch on getting your creative thoughts to fire. So all these ideas and connecting seemingly unrelated ideas, that's where cannabis has effects that I don't think we would expect from alcohol. Well, and even um, more so with other psychedelics. So, I mean, there's all this stuff about, I mean, of course, microdosing and, and Silicon Valley is the big hip thing. And we've had a big legalization of uh, cybersome mushrooms here in Denver and there's all sorts of good evidence emerging that those are very effective treatments, or at least uh, I, I know about work on uh, MDMA and mushrooms as treatments for depression. It's the idea you're opening up receptors and making connections that you don't normally make. Whereas with alcohol, you're just lowering your inhibitions. It's not really opening anything up. It's just sort of, uh, it's kind of like the beer test, Brad, right? Like you're getting ready to invest with some people or go into business with them. You really kind of, I mean, it's a big thing in Japan, right? You want to go out and get oh. drunk with them. Why? You want to see what they turn into. You have to, actually. Because um, yeah. it lowers inhibition so far That's right. that people's kind of true character gets emerged. But I think this is fascinating work, guys. I, I think it's really cool that you're pushing the boundaries. And yeah. I think the idea of, we, you know, we're always trying to, you know, in creative distillation, say, what's actionable here? I think the message I'm taking this, I'm going to paraphrase. You guys tell me if I'm getting it wrong here. Look, cannabis can be a useful tool for opening up creativity. There's a lot of different ways to consume it. You don't have to smoke anything anymore. You don't have to bear the right. stigma of going out and finding a dealer or anything like that. You can take a very small dosage. You can work with a, whomever you're working with. Try it if you're trying to open up creativity. However, it is not particularly helpful for trying to figure out how to actually execute on an idea and get it done. I, I know I have many of my friends who are beyond chronic cannabis users yeah. from high school and uh, oh my God, they're not, they're not getting, I do know, I do know a guy who was the tight king of Alaska, but <laughs> that's about it as far as, I, that's not true. Actually, a lot of them are very entrepreneurial, but they do stay in that rut. They don't change a lot after a certain period of time. Yeah. I have a question for the team here. So my question is, what question does this open up and where does your research go from here? Great question. Right. So now that you have this understanding, what, what is really interesting about this that maybe in the future will be able to help entrepreneurs on the ground? I see our, our work is yeah, certainly leading to a number of future directions that I think we're just kind of scratching the surface. I think, well, you know, are there other, other types of creativity boosting type exercises that maybe if we combine with, with cannabis and we'll see, we'll see a bigger effect. You know, we looked at entrepreneurial experience just on the number of ventures, but we don't know, well, does the type of experience matter, whether or not you're a serial entrepreneur um, whether you have, you know, depth of experience or breadth of experience, how do those things relate to, to coming up with new business ideas? And then, of course, you know, we didn't look at acute effects of, of cannabis intoxication. That's not easy to do from a, you know, a public institution. Cannabis is still technically an illegal drug in the United States, even though it's legal in certain states. There's not many universities that will fund and support getting a bunch of people intoxicated with cannabis. But there is some studies that are starting to go in that direction. It'd be really interesting to see, okay, let's look at, you know, some acute effects and, and, and see what happens. So I think there's a lot of different areas, um, ways to go with this research. I think we kind of see this as kind of the first initial step to at least get people thinking about it, uh, make it a little bit less right. taboo and allow people to actually talk about it like we're doing today. Right. That's great, guys. Congratulations on the paper. I think it's it's really interesting. And if uh, you want to check it out, uh, again, you can you can go look at it. It's in press. You can't get the full paper behind the firewall, but we'll, we'll post it somewhere so people can get access to it. Uh, Head in the Clouds, Cannabis Users, Creativity, and New Venture Ideation 
depends on their entrepreneurial passion and experience. Uh, and we've had the, the lead authors with us today, Benjamin Warnick and Alex Kerr, also co-authored with uh, Emily LaFrance and Carrie Cutler. Both these gentlemen are at the Carson College of Business at Washington State University, Vancouver. But uh, thank you so much, guys. Uh, congratulations sincerely on the paper. I think it's going to be super influential. I love how you're bringing in all the stuff on uh, creativity and passion into it. So it's not just like I've seen a lot of like, hey, we looked at weed. Like, no, you guys are like taking real theoretical strands from entrepreneurship and blending them in. And uh, that's why I really admire when people are actually building on entrepreneurship theories and prior work and taking creative directions. That's great. Really cool. This was good. Well, thanks, Jeff. This was yeah, thanks. Fun. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah thanks well, for having me. <laughs> well, you got to come back for the one where we try the uh, high potency THC gummies instead of sampling beer. <laughs> we did do CBD on one podcast. We did CBD. Yes. A guy sound like a total boomer. Um, we did some CBD, bro. It was bad. We had a guy doing. CBD. You were in that cool club. Uh, we you? did the CBD chocolates and the distillery. That was a famous one. We had a guest. Yeah, uh, it was great. Oh yeah, our guest was just like, "What is this you're doing?" I'm like, "No, it's it's a podcast. It's cool." <laughs> anyway, but yeah, we would love to visit with you guys. And uh, thanks very much for being here. So uh, that's it for this episode of Creative Distillation. Once again, my name is Jeff York. I'm the Research Director at the Deming Center for Entrepreneurship at the Leeds School of Business, University of Colorado Boulder. Joined by my co-host, Brad Werner, Teaching Director at the Deming Center for Entrepreneurship. If you want to reach us, please reach out to us. Uh, CD, C as in creative, D as in distillation podcast at colorado.edu that's cd podcast at colorado.edu if you enjoyed what you heard today and want to hear more well go back we've actually got a, a sort of a back catalog of great scholars talking about really interesting research and brad and i trying to figure out what what is actionable from that and how do we get to an actionable insight and i think we're uh, about 99.9 percent .9 successful in that so far so we will continue on our journey together and if you liked it hit the subscribe button hey why not uh, and if you have any feedback, send us an email or reach out to us. We're easy to find. We're both at the University of Colorado Boulder. And uh, we'll see you next time on Creative Distillation. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.